Welcome! You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hi, I'm Mike Paul, and welcome to this podcast of articles from Ars Technica, a presentation of Airs LA. We have four articles for you today. We'll see how SpaceX is linking up Ukraine for wireless internet, learn about how Facebook misled investors, get an education on fake Amazon reviews, and discover which major milestone the James Webb Space Telescope just passed. Ready? Let's go. Our first article is by John Brodkin, published on February 28, 2022. SpaceX sends Starlink terminals to Ukraine after request from government. SpaceX is sending Starlink user terminals to Ukraine after a request from a government official. Mykhailo Fedorov, Ukraine's vice prime minister and minister of digital transformation, used Twitter to make a direct plea to SpaceX CEO Elon Musk on Saturday, writing, Elon Musk, while you try to colonize Mars, Russia try to occupy Ukraine. While your rockets successfully land from space, Russian rockets attack Ukrainian civil people. We ask you to provide Ukraine with Starlink stations and to address sane Russians to stand. About 10 hours later, Musk responded, Starlink service is now active in Ukraine. More terminals en route. A bit later, Fedorov sent a tweet thanking Musk, and another tweet thanking Ukraine's ambassador to the U.S., Oksana Marakova, quoting, For swift decisions related to authorization and certification that allowed us to activate the Starlink in Ukraine. We asked SpaceX for details on how many Starlink user terminals are being sent to Ukraine, and how they're being distributed, and we'll update this article if we get any information. Starlink was recently used to provide broadband in parts of Tonga that were cut off from internet access by the tsunami. Starlink was previously slated to hit Ukraine in 2023, according to a Fortune report. Fortune wrote that the relay towers that Starlink uses to provide Ukraine with internet coverage are likely stationed in neighboring countries where Russian troops can't target them. The closest Starlink ground terminal is reportedly in Wala Krabowska. In Poland. It's not clear how quickly service will be deployed or how widely it will be available, as the ongoing war will obviously make the project challenging. CNBC reporter Laura Kolodny today shared a Facebook post from a person in Ukraine who said they got the green light, quote-unquote, to use Starlink, but it's not clear if it was already set up. Meanwhile, Viasat said its satellite broadband service was suffering a partial outage in Ukraine and elsewhere in Europe. Viasat said its investigation into the outage continues, but so far we believe it was caused by a cyber event, according to a Sky News report today. Sky News quoted one insider as saying the outage appears to have been caused by a distributed denial-of-service attack. Non-satellite internet access has also been disrupted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, according to Reuters. Internet problems have been most severe in the southern and eastern parts of the country, where fighting has been heaviest, Reuters wrote, adding, 
Connectivity to Gigatrans, Ukraine's main internet provider, dropped to below 20% of normal levels before returning to higher levels in the early hours of Friday morning, according to internet monitoring organization NetBlocks. We currently observe national connectivity at 87% of ordinary levels, a figure that reflects service disruptions as well as population flight and the shuttering of homes and businesses since the morning of the 24th, Alp Toker, director of NetBlocks, told Reuters. While there is no nation-scale blackout, little is being heard from the worst affected regions, and for others, there is an ever-present fear that connectivity could worsen at any moment, cutting off friends and family, Toker said. More information is available from NetBlocks on its website. Our second article is by Tim DeChant, published on February 18th, 2022. Facebook misled investors on scope of misinformation problems, Whistleblower says. Since filing whistleblower complaints against Facebook last year, Francis Haugen hasn't been sitting still. A report today says the Facebook, now Meta, whistleblower has filed two new complaints with the Securities and Exchange Commission that allege the company internally acknowledged it was struggling with misinformation, even while telling investors it had a handle on the problem. Meta made material misrepresentations and omissions in statements to investors regarding its attempts to fight misinformation on its platforms, according to redacted complaints that a congressional staffer shared with the Washington Post and other news outlets. Some investors simply will not want to invest in a company that fails to adequately address such misinformation and then engages in misstatements and omissions on the topic, one complaint says. Haugen's new complaints say that while Facebook slash Meta executives trumpeted their efforts to tamp down misinformation about climate change and COVID in earnings calls and elsewhere, internally, the company knew it was falling short. As recently as the first quarter of 2021, Facebook employees discovered that climate misinformation ranked high when they searched for climate change in the Watch tab on Facebook. The second result was climate misinfo, which had been viewed more than 6.6 million times, an employee wrote. Facebook also allegedly knew that its own heavily promoted Climate Science Information Center was a flop, despite a slew of press releases and money thrown at it. Even among people who had visited the page, internal documents said that awareness of it was, quote, very low, unquote, according to the complaint. Perhaps that's because the company doesn't seem to follow its own best practices when managing the page. News links are only updated every few days and are buried over halfway down the page. Plus, navigation is done through a clunky horizontal scroll instead of an infinite vertical feed like the rest of the site. The page has no about section or details to suggest that Facebook itself was running the page. Even the title is awkwardly stylized as the Climate Science Center. Based on that alone, if I had stumbled across the page, and I haven't, I would have thought that it was a one-off effort by some crusading individual. The page also doesn't show a public follower count, and Facebook hasn't even bothered to give it a header image. The page was officially renamed the Client Science Center in September 2021. At the time, it had 3.8 million followers. While almost 4 million followers would make many brands happy, for a company the size of Meta, that's peanuts. Companies generally don't rename products that are wildly popular. 
Facebook does place labels on climate change content and reduces the distribution of content that its fact-checking partners deem false. But it typically doesn't remove posts, as it does with COVID misinformation. Yet, despite removing some COVID-related misinformation, the whistleblower complaints allege that Facebook, Meta, hasn't lived up to its public statements there either. An internal Facebook survey found that a third of people in the U.S. said they saw misinformation related to COVID and voting, the complaint says, and an April 2020 spike in misinformation reports from users was traced to the topic of COVID. Using whistleblower complaints to address the misinformation problem is creative, Nathaniel Persley, a professor at Stanford Law School and director of the Stanford Cyber Policy Center, told the Washington Post. You cannot pass a law in the U.S. banning disinformation, he said. So what can you do? You can hold the platforms accountable to promises they make. Those promises could be made to users, to the government, to shareholders. The strategy could work, given many investors' appetites for focusing on environmental, social, and governance investment strategies, so-called ESG investors. For years, the SEC has told publicly traded companies that they need to make clear and accurate disclosures. Jane Norberg, a partner at Arnold & Porter, who recently ran the SEC's whistleblower program, told The Post, If the company says one thing to investors, but internal documents show that what they were saying is untrue, that could be something the SEC would look at, she said. Our third article is by Sharon Harding, published on February 23, 2022. Companies selling fake reviews are tarnishing brand, Amazon says. After being pressed by the media and government organizations about paid reviews on its site, Amazon is taking its fight against compensated reviews to the courts. On Tuesday, the company filed lawsuits against App Sally and Rebatest, firms that Amazon claims sell fake positive Amazon reviews. Amazon's two lawsuits in the King County Superior Court in Seattle against App Sally and Rebatest provide in-depth details of fake review packages purportedly offered by the companies, which have both been operating since at least 2018. Amazon believes App Sally and Rebatest are hurting consumer trust by selling packages that let sellers pay for positive reviews of their products. Amazon's community guidelines say that creating, modifying, or posting content in exchange for compensation of any kind, including free or discounted products, refunds, or reimbursements, and offering compensation or requesting compensation, including free or discounted products, in exchange for creating, modifying, or posting content is not allowed. But according to one of Amazon's lawsuits, App Sally sells at least 16 different packages offering Amazon reviews. Amazon also claims that App Sally tells sellers to send it review drafts they'd like to see on their products. App Sally describes itself as a curated marketplace for growth that handpicks marketers to give you convenient access to best-in-class marketers used by the hyper-growth companies and offers reputation management, influencers marketing, and more. App Sally didn't return a request for comment in time for publication. Rebatest allegedly sells reviews as well. The company reportedly requires Amazon sellers to refund purchases made by reviewers, Amazon's filing says. 
The complaint says that Rebatest lets Amazon sellers evaluate users who may review their products to determine the reviewer's willingness to provide positive reviews and to preview appropriate reviews before they are posted. The filing also says reviewers may no longer be eligible for purchase refunds if they don't provide enough positive reviews. When asked for comment, a Rebatest spokesperson told Ars Technica the company is, quote, very shocked about the complaint. We didn't encourage our users to do fake reviews, the rep said. What we do is help the sellers collect some useful opinions from our users after they use the products before the products are put into the market. Users themselves decide to do the review on Amazon or not, as long as they complete the trial reports on Rebatest, they will get the rebate back. We don't force or incentivize our users to do five-star reviews. According to Amazon's Seller Central website, if you decide to ask a buyer to leave a review, you may not ask for a positive review or ask for reviews only from buyers who had a positive experience, nor may you ask customers to change or remove their review or attempt to influence the review. Amazon is looking to shutter App Sally and Rebatest and acquire information from the companies so it can identify associated reviews and participating parties. It also wants the companies to disgorge their profits and pay treble damages and attorney's fees. Amazon is concerned about fake reviews deterring people from buying and selling on Amazon. In addition to pointing to fake reviews' ability to tarnish Amazon's brand, quote-unquote, the company's complaints cite bad publicity that it has received from media coverage of the proliferation of fake reviews. The complaints reference a Wall Street Journal article titled, Fake Reviews and Inflated Ratings Are Still a Problem for Amazon. Congress followed up on the report two days later with an inquiry regarding the work Amazon does to ensure reviews are authentic. Amazon says that it uses teams of workers and machine learning to fight fake reviews, with over 200 million suspected instances prevented in 2020. Our final article is by John Timmer, published on February 25, 2022. Webb Telescope reaches major milestone. All its light is in one place. Today, NASA shared an image indicating that the agency had successfully completed the image alignment stage of commissioning the James Webb Space Telescope. The Webb's primary mirror is composed of 18 individual segments, and as of today's update, all of those segments are aligned so that a single star shows up as a single object. While several more focusing steps are still required, the path to commissioning the telescope keeps getting shorter. Immediately after launch, NASA's attention was on unfolding all the pieces of the telescope that had to be held in a compact configuration to fit inside the launch vehicle. This process included reorienting and extending the primary mirror, lowering the secondary mirror into place, and stretching out the multi-layered sunscreen that helps keep the imaging hardware cold. To the surprise and delight of many people, all that unfolding went incredibly smoothly. Since then, the focus has shifted to, well, focus. The web's primary mirror consists of 18 separate mirrors in a hexagonal array, each of which can be controlled separately. 
when the primary mirror was first unfolded, the separate mirrors reflected 18 individual smears scattered across the secondary mirror. Earlier this month, however, tweaks to the mirrors created a hexagonal array of smears that replicated the arrangement of the primary mirror segments. Today's announcement saw the segments shifted so that each of the smears was partly focused and moved to the center of the secondary mirror. The result? The star that's being imaged for this process is now a single dot at the center of the telescope's field of view. NASA isn't done just yet, however. Although the images are in the same place, they're simply superimposed there. The ultimate goal is to have the segments behave as a single mirror, which requires more careful focusing. To do so, engineers will image the spectra of light, looking for slight shifts of the image locations at different wavelengths. From that, it's possible to figure out which way the mirrors must be shifted to fine-tune the mirror segments. that brings us to the end of today's articles. To learn more about Airs LA and the types of programs we offer, follow us at facebook.com slash A-I-R-S-L-A. If you like what's there, please hit the like button. Music provided by Hot Fire. I'm Mike Paul, and I'll be back soon with more informative stories from Ars Technica. Thanks for listening.